Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Big L, rest in peace. Rest in peace. everybody, welcome into episode one of the Believe in Best Ball podcast. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell. You can follow me on Twitter at smaxwell713. I'm joined by one of my best friends in the world, one of the greatest fantasy football players I've ever met, Michael, the nation, Bruckner. Have you come down from the high that was the New York Football Giants draft this last weekend, Michael? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that right now. Let's just get into best ball, but it's a pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to this podcast. And once again, I'm joined by Michael, the nation Bruckner. You can follow him on Twitter at the Bruck Report. You can follow me, your host, Sam Maxwell at smaxwell713. We're on the Believe Podcast Network. We're stoked to be here. You can find us in a whole lot of other great podcasts at Believe.com. If you enjoy this show, please give us a subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you prefer to get your podcast from. If you really enjoy the show, we would greatly appreciate and encourage you to give us a five-star rating, a subscribe, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and we encourage and appreciate any feedback, good or bad, that we may receive. So that's the administrative stuff here, Michael. Any real quick, any quick thoughts on the draft here uh, before we kind of dive right into best ball? In regards to skill position players regarding this year's best ball outlook, I really think the main focus would just be on the running backs. You know, we got the landing of David Montgomery in Chicago. And then, of course, uh, we got Jacobs out of Alabama going to the Raiders. Other than that, I don't think too many shakeups here uh, in regards to the NFL draft and best ball. Agreed, Michael. This was a, an interesting draft all, all across the board. I mean, we finally got rid of the stigma of short quarterbacks. We saw, uh, you know, five ten quarterback go first overall. Um, a very bizarre situation with the way they handled Josh Rosen. Uh, we saw the most trades in the first round of all time. Uh, but going back to the skill positions, as you said, um, you always have these ideal landing spots with these players, you know, I would have loved to see Marquise Hollywood Brown land on a team such as the Chiefs, for example, that needed Ooh. a speedster to replace Tyree Kill, who does not look like he's going to play this year or maybe even ever again. And, you know, you have you have these ideal landing spots that you hope these players go. They never end up seeming to go there. This year was especially bad for that. The guys that I really liked, as I mentioned, Marquise Hollywood Brown and, and many others did not land in ideal situations. Now, there were some really good situations we'll talk about a little bit later as we dive further into our best ball podcast. So we're here, Michael, to talk about best ball, and that's a specific type of fantasy football. If you like playing fantasy football, you're going to love listening to this show. Real quickly here, Nation, let's let's just talk about in layman's terms here. If, you've, if, if I'm talking to you right now, I've never played best ball before. I've played fantasy football with my friends, with my office, colleagues, et cetera. Uh, give me just a real quick description. What is best ball? So what best ball entails is it's it's a format where you just draft your roster and you get to set it and forget it. Uh, it involves no roster management whatsoever. It really is truly just the draft. And each week, uh, the top scores from each position uh, are taken into your team and put into your starting lineup. And your points are accumulated weekly based on that. And it truly is best for those who just enjoy the process of drafting and again, it involves no roster management, and it truly is a set it and forget it. And it's a great long-term investment, and it's a great way to make money. Absolutely. I mean, this is kind of the stock market for us fantasy football nerds. And, and, and what you said there, Michael, I think it's really important. I think we need to reemphasize that. Um, this is 
an amazing way in the offseason to keep fantasy football relevant and, and a part of your life. You can draft these teams. I think last year I had uh, over 300 of them in the high 200s or so. It's an enjoyable draft. And, you know, Some of these time on draft.com, for example, there's a 30-second running clock. At FFPC, you can get these done in, in, in an hour, sometimes even less than that. Um, and, and you may never even think about that team again. And you can kind of see how many of each player you've accumulated. You can say, last year, I believe Sony Michelle and Aaron Jones were my two highest owned running backs. Those both popped for me. Um, and it's fun to have something that you can root for throughout the offseason and into the season as well. But there is no roster management. You get the thrill of the draft. You don't have the burden of managing another team. Most people out there have many fantasy football teams, uh, or maybe you're someone with, with just one. That means the most to you. It's going to automatically set your best lineup, as you mentioned, your best quarterback of your two or three, your best two running backs of, of your slot, uh, and, and of course, on and so forth. And the most points total at the end of the year is going to win that league and win the cash prizes. So that's just kind of the basic understanding of what best ball is. Otherwise, it's very similar nation in terms of regular fantasy drafts. Scoring is going to be very similar. Uh, the roster is going to be very similar in terms of the amount of players. Um, and the people you're playing with are also going to be very similar. And it's cool because in a lot of these drafts, you're going to see Evan Silva. You're going to see some famous players, Mike Tagli or Bobby Sylvester with the fantasy pros, the fantasy footballers. I've seen all these guys in different drafts, and you can kind of rub shoulders with some of the pros uh, in this industry. So it's a really great way uh, to keep, like I said, fantasy football relevant in the offseason. There is yeah. no offseason in fantasy football and with best ball, and that's what makes it so great is that you could truly be drafting teams, you know, in May, June, July, before your neighborhood home leagues, your season-long leagues, and you truly have that advantage over your competition in those neighborhood leagues when the time comes because you're so experienced in drafting these teams because fantasy football nerds like us truly have no offseason. This is our first episode, Nation. We're already pros. What a transition there. My next bullet point on the show, Doc, was why do we play it? And number one, you mentioned there is no offseason. The NFL's done a tremendous job of branding itself as really a league that stays relevant uh, throughout the entirety of the calendar year. Obviously, we're deep into the offseason for the NFL, but the ratings for the draft this last weekend were incredible. I mean, it was one of the most highly watched events of the entire season on television. But what you said is extremely important. I want to make sure our, our listeners understand that. You know, when you're put in these situations, being on the clock, having to make split-second decisions, one quarterback versus another, you're on the clock at number three, you're on the clock at number seven, these are difficult decisions. And players like you and me that play basketball in the offseason are already going to have these decisions pre-made for us. Right now, I know that if I go number one, I'm taking Saquon Barkley. If I get the third pick, very likely I'm going to end up with Alvin Kamara. If I get the seventh or eighth pick, you know what? I'm going to go with the receiver in the first round. I'm going to take the, yeah. the number one receiver. We'll talk about players specifically later. You're put into these situations where you have these decisions pre-made. You know, these NFL head coaches talk about it all the time. You don't make the decision to go for two, to go for fourth down and one at the 30-yard line. These decisions are already pre-made in the offseason. We're doing the exact same thing that these NFL head coaches are doing uh, for our fantasy leagues in the offseason. I'm baking these decisions into it so when I get to my home leagues in the draft in August, you're going to have these decisions pre-made. So those are very, very good points in terms of why we play best ball. Now, another good reason to play best ball, of course, is that these are reliable information. You're most of the time playing for money. You could do leagues for as little as a dollar. You can learn exactly where these players are trending to go. You can learn when a piece of news breaks. For example, when Josh Jacobs was drafted by the Raiders, his ADP jumped 10 running backs, let's say. We talked about it last week. We were getting him uh, in the 6th, 7th, 8th round. Now he's going in the 3rd or 4th round as an RB2. Um, so you can really see the trends and see the ADPs. And this is reliable information. We're playing for money. This isn't a random draft lobby where people have taken Tim Tebow first overall. These are real players. 
They're playing for real money. And I think that's a very underrated reason to play best ball as well. Right. And capping off what you said there, it really is about taking advantage of the value. You know, these players are like stocks and you want to buy them when their stock is lowest as similar to like what you said with Josh Jacobs going in the sixth or seventh round last week before the draft, when it was apparent that he was going to be the first running back off the board and he was going to be a three down back for some team in the NFL. It's really taking advantage of certain players that you think are underrated by the community as a whole, investing in those players and then cashing out with a condo around your neck at the end of the season in December. <laughs> I mean, man, if we can buy a condo based on our, our winnings and fans from what we'd be doing extremely well, maybe somewhere uh, not Los Angeles. Which is two more seasons, two more seasons. Happen to live. Now, where can you play best ball nation? There's a, there's a number of different places you can play. It's not like redraft where you're playing on ESPN or Yahoo or CBS sports or Apple.com. There are very specific places you can play best ball. Give me your favorite and then give me a couple other examples of where you can play best ball in the off season. Right now, the best play, the best website to play best ball is definitely draft.com. Uh, on that site, there's so many users on there. The drafts fill up rather quickly. There's a pick clock of 30 seconds per player, uh, in addition to so many other formats on there. You could definitely experiment with different roster strategies in terms of the different number of running backs and receivers you take and the certain values that you want to capitalize on. Draft.com, it offers a 30-second pick clock. You could get the draft done you know, when you're sitting on your toilet taking care of business or you know, when you're at the office sitting at your desk. You could really draft from anywhere. And again, that's draft.com. There's also another site out there called bestballtens.com, which is just the newer version of the classic uh, MFL tens, which is where this whole great idea started about 20 years ago. Uh, and then there's also the FFPC, which has uh, plenty of year long contests and satellites filling daily. There really are plenty of options and plenty of places to play the best ball format. Absolutely. FFPC, as you mentioned, is a 28-round best ball draft. So if you really, really take pride in knowing deep sleepers, if you want to get these guys, collect these guys, and actually have them as a part of your portfolio, that's a great way to do it. It's 28 rounds. It's a very deep draft. Now, draft.com is the app. It's a great place. We highly recommend it. That's where I play the majority of my drafts. Just to clarify something, there are fast drafts, which you mentioned are a 30-second clock. There are also slow drafts where you have, I think it's 10 or 11 hours on the clock there. So it kind of depends on your schedule, if you have 30, 40 minutes, or if you have a job or you can take 20 seconds out of every five minutes or so, um, then you can do the fast draft, obviously. If you don't and you want to do this on your own time, uh, you can do a slow draft. So there's something out there for everyone. So we talked about what is best ball. We talked about why we play best ball. Uh, we talked about some of the differences uh, in the different sites and where you can play best ball. Let's talk a little bit about nation uh, of the differences in strategy between best ball and redraft. There's some really key elements here, some key differences. Uh, the first being, obviously, that you're going to need more than one quarterback. You're going to need more than one tight end, and you're going to need a whole slew of both running backs and wide receivers. So there's a lot of differences in just in terms of how you're going to build your team. There's also differences in terms of just the value uh, for the players. You know, the consistent, I'm going to run them out there every single time as an RB2, isn't quite as valuable in a best ball draft because you're looking for guys that are going to either boom or bust. Deshaun Jackson, for example, this is the best ball player. The example I always give when I discuss best ball, he's going to have three to four 50 yard plus catches. Maybe. How about a guy like Paris Campbell? Speaking of the NFL, Paris Campbell absolutely could be 
one of those as well. Actually, I think he's going to be a, a relatively safe high floor type player, but we'll talk about him something later. But going back to my Deshaun Jackson example, you're going to get those three or four long touchdowns. You know, good luck predicting when those are going to come. If you have Deshaun Jackson as your wide receiver four in a standard redraft league, he's going to end up on your bench more often than not. And when he has these big boom games, uh, you're going to be very upset that he wasn't in your starting lineup. Vice versa, if he's your wide receiver three and you just plug him in there for every single game, you're going to be extremely disappointed and you're going to lose a lot of value when he has his games with one or two targets, one catch, and 10 yards. In best ball, you don't have to worry about that. You know you're going to have Deshaun Jackson for those four or five big boom games. And when he doesn't play well, Nation, when he's not a part of the Eagles' plans that particular week or a cornerback happens to shut him down, it's no loss for you. So those are some of the main differences there. Um, Someone that is going to be more inconsistent and is difficult to find is going to have a lot of value in best ball. You can also, of course, couple different players in the same team together. This is a strategy that you had last year that I adopted very much so, was drafting many of the Patriots running backs. It's very difficult oftentimes to know, is it going to be a James White day? Is it going to be a Sony Michelle day? Is it going to be a Rex Burkhead day? Is it going to be a Damien Harris day moving forward? We have no idea with that new draft pick there. When you take two or three of those players, it's going to be someone. You know it's going to be someone, and you know they're gonna, you're going to have Patriots starting running back that whoever gets the rushing touchdowns almost certainly every single week. So those are just some of the very small differences between uh, strategy of, of best ball drafts and redrafts. Otherwise, it's it's, it's generally pretty similar, um, but they're different games, they're different strategies. Yeah, and they're different strategies in the fact that again, it's a longer draft, and your teams are deeper. And there's more advantage to take there, there's more opportunities, excuse me, to take advantage of again players that you think are undervalued by the fantasy community and drafting them at spots that you think they will be valuable, having them in your starting lineup week to week. Like you mentioned earlier, if you draft a guy named Saquon Barkley, number one, it's pretty predictable that he's gonna be in your starting lineup on most weeks. That alters your approach for the mess for the rest of your draft in the sense that you don't really need as many running backs per se, or you can 100%. draft more receivers. Now, to reiterate, there is no roster management. Once you draft these teams, it's over. So if you happen to auto-draft Harry Kill or Doug Baldwin, that is a huge detriment to your team, obviously. But in the same right, you, you want to make sure you, you pay attention to a number of different things. If you're going to only draft two quarterbacks, you best make sure they have different bye weeks. If you're going to not draft a receiver until the eighth or ninth round, you should probably make sure that you have seven or eight receivers because you're going to start three of them per week. So these are you know, a lot of little things you're going to have to pay attention to when building these teams. Um, and, and that's why we do practice. That's why there are $1 drafts on draft.com for these exact reasons. Now, going back to draft.com, we'll use that as the template nation. They have 18 roster spots. It's an 18-round draft. Generally speaking, how many of each position are you looking to draft using this template with 18 rounds? So on draft.com, your starting lineup each week is going to be one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, and one tight end. And a flex. And, and one flex, correct. And you have 18 roster spots to fill that out. I typically like to take about two to three quarterbacks. I'd say about five to six running backs. And sometimes you could go crazy and draft seven or eight if you're loaded up at receiver in the early rounds. But with receivers, I like to draft typically around, again, maybe seven or eight. For tight ends, it's usually two or three. But again, sometimes if I have a strong tight end, I'll only take one other tight end so I could get more depth at other positions where I think my team is lacking. 
hundred percent. Exactly. This is a great format in which to try different strategies, such as a, you know, tight end premium, such as a zero running back, zero receiver, zero quarterback. You can try these, see how your team looks at the end of a draft and decide, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Or, you know, if you execute it really well, you can, you can make sure to do that. If you're given the ninth spot, let's say in a 12 team draft, you can do zero running back. So it's a great way to kind of toy and experiment with different roster building strategies. I think it's very well said there, two to three quarterbacks, five to six running backs, seven to eight receivers, and two to three tight ends. What I've been doing quite a bit, Nation, is trying to take two of those top three tight ends. The tier is much different without Rob Gronkowski, of course. Travis Kelsey is generally going the early second, but both Zach Ertz and George Kittle are going right around that two, three turn, or, or even a little bit later in the third round. So you have a chance to get both of those if you, if you desire that. And I think that these tight ends are just not enough tight ends. I don't want to go too deep into this first episode. But, you know, there's going to be, if there's 10 teams or 12 teams, everyone's taking two, maybe even three. There could be up to 35, 36 tight ends drafted. So it goes really deep, and that's one of the most shallow positions. But, again, it's going to be no roster construction. You have to pay attention to trends in the draft. I usually go quarterback very late. As you know, you've been playing fantasy football with me for about 15 years now. I like to wait on quarterback. However... I did that today in the 12-team draft, and I ended up with Joe Flacco because there was a huge run on quarterbacks. Well, you're okay with Joe Flacco because he's entering his prime, according to John Elway. (laughs) We can talk about, you know, we're we're throwing both of our teams under the bus here. Nation, of course, is a Giants fan, and I am a Bronco fan. Neither one have very high prospective seasons, I don't think, for this season. We'll we'll see. Maybe we'll, we'll put some sort of offline bet on which team has more success this year. But just just to go to show that you do have to pay attention to trends, you know, in your standard redraft league, there's only going to be 12 to 15 quarterbacks taken. You can wait on quarterback. There is so much depth at that position this year. But in a draft like this, where some teams are going to take three, sometimes they're going to take four, you have to pay attention to when those runs happen. And you have to make sure you're prepared. And sometimes you have to strategically reach on players because you know they're not going to make it there on the way back, of course. So any final thoughts here, Nation, for our first episode? Uh, believe in best ball this was just a kind of general overview of best ball we're gonna have a lot more deep dives into players that we like uh, values that have changed from the draft that's going to be our next episode this was kind of just an introduction to best ball for those that haven't played it if you're a best ball veteran and you fast forward through this entire episode first of all thank you very much for checking it out the next couple episodes are going to be much more interesting for you there any final thoughts from you michael I can't wait for the rest of the season. I'm ready to get some in-depth analysis here on approaches to draft, players to draft, and I'm looking forward to being part of the Believe Podcast Network. Perfect. Well said. Again, guys, if you enjoyed this show, please shoot us a subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. We encourage and appreciate feedback. Of course, we'll take five-star reviews. You can find us on Twitter at smaxwell 713 and at The Bruck Report. And for Believe Podcast, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. For Michael, I'm Sam. We're out of here. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. And you stayed on your hop until you made you a on my block to hang up with the thing back then. You came back in to my block from Holloway, built with the sky, re-roll the flux. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.